Hey, everybody out there in Ramble on Radio Land, and this is Ralph Hewlett, co-author of the book with Jerry Proshnicki, whole lot of lead, our flight with Led Zeppelin. We're going to talk a little bit about the book today and find out some different facts you may or may not know about Led Zeppelin. First in the spotlight tonight, Robin McGee, a student from Cambridge. His subject, the rock legends Led Zeppelin. Vocalist, whom Jimmy Page wanted to be in the band, declined but recommended his friend Robert Plant instead. Pass. What name did the band give to the Boeing 720 jet plane that they chartered to carry them around America for their 1973 tour? Pass. The band recorded its first BBC session at London's Playhouse Theatre in March 1969. On which DJ show was it aired later that month? Pass. For Live Aid, two drummers appeared with the band at the concert in Philadelphia. Phil Collins was one. Who was the other? At pass. Which song with the melody mainly written by John Paul Jones includes the lines walking side by side with death, the devil mocks their every step. Pass. No quarter. It's no <laughs> It's no quarter. You have to get that one. In fairness, I would not have gotten a John Peel question, um, not being British. And and uh, he got the Stockholm question on where was in through the outdoor, and I would have banged my head against the wall. I know it, but I've never pulled that out of the tip of my tongue. So, uh, young fella on Master, I was Mastermind in um, BBC. Young fella did okay, not great. Um, there you go. Anyway, hi, it's Brian. Welcome to Ramble on Radio, episode number eight. And um, we wield power here. We wield power. Last week, uh, I was discussing the brilliance that is Led Zeppelin 4. This week, it's back in the Billboard charts after uh, well, 20 years out. Uh, we'll talk about it a little more. I got the dates somewhere written down here. Um, but it's, yeah. It's it's uh, it's back. It's back. Sold three thousand six hundred units or twenty six hundred units, which is you know back in the day was a pittance, wasn't it? Now it's welcome to Billboard. Um, and units, by the way, twenty six hundred units. I use that industry jargon there. Little finger quotes. You had to hear it. Um, you heard the intro. Ralph Hewlett, co-author of Whole Lot of Lead, took some time to talk to me this weekend. Took some time to talk to me twice this weekend because, uh, as near as I can figure, I forgot to press the record button on my stupid software. My stupid software. Yeah, it's the software that's stupid. Anyway, um, we talked Friday and uh, had a fairly good talk, and then then. You know, the heart sank as I noticed, God, there's no file. I just spent half an hour talking to this guy, and there's no file. Um, so I contacted him and said, well, thanks, really appreciate it. It was great, but... And uh, he was great. Right away, he said, okay, we'll do it tomorrow. How about uh, X time tomorrow? So we went right back on it. Second time, second time was a charm. We got it. We got a really good... He's a great interview. He's a great interview because you say, um, you know, I really liked... X in the book, and boom, he, he's gone for three or four minutes talking, he just, um, you know, I haven't done a lot of these interviews, so it's, I'm not great at it, and when you can just kind of throw something up in the air, and he knocks it out of the park every time, great interview, um, and I hope you enjoy it, he, he, it's, it's probably about 15 minutes, it's, it's a good length of interview, it's, uh, and it's a good one, um, he had story, you know, he had stories at his fingertips, he could just go, um, Pick a page, and oh yeah, on page 36, in chapter 2, page 76, we we mentioned X, Y, Z, and you, really, wow. Um, and I fumble around for, you know, as people who listen to this regularly, you know, I fumble around for song titles and stuff, and he's bang, 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 got them. Matter of fact, I fumbled around so darn much, I called him by his co-author's name. 
Um, Jerry Procknicki. It's Ralph Hewlett and Jerry Procknicki. I was talking to Ralph. Once at the end, I call him Jerry. And uh, so that's, you know, that, that's how good I am at having stuff at my fingertips. Talked to the guy twice for half an hour, and I still don't know his name right. Uh, happy Thanksgiving Day weekend to you Americans out there, my American listeners. Um, or as we now apparently call it in Canada, Beaver Appreciation Day. Uh, appears some guys on Facebook put a meme, a meme on Facebook um, to tell, you know, because everybody's putting Happy Thanksgiving on their wall, so we, we don't, you know, uh, we don't like it when you Americans are being all Americans. So, so Beaver Appreciation Day it is. If, if you got that, if one of your friends gave you that, if you're American and you got that from one of your friends, you're being condescended to. Know it. It, was, it is not Beaver Appreciation Day. Uh, it's also up here in Canada, Grey Cup Weekend, uh, which is, you know, our Super Bowl, Canadian Football League. Uh, if you care whatsoever, British Columbia Lions won it. Uh, won a fairly healthy margin, too, actually. Although uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers put a little rush on at the end, and that was just about an hour ago. That's over. So uh, it's also, you know, November 27th, three days left in November, and thank God I can't wait to lose this stupid mustache um it's driving me crazy this day this year uh i am i am actually i'm officially broke how about this record store day black friday sale uh, led zeppelin launched an official store on their website uh ledzeppelin.com if you haven't been it's all pretty much just t-shirts but i've been buying by records 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 t-shirts 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 just going crazy spending all my money so i'm broke uh, this will probably be the last podcast because i left upon the computer uh sometime this week for yet another Yardbird single. <clears throat> uh, I was going over the last episode, and I, I noticed there was a couple of stories that uh, that I had in the pile that just got missed. Uh, and we still wound up at over 40 minutes. So it was a, <clears throat> you know, it was a fairly, but I'm going to try and sneak, there's two, two stories I think it was, I'm going to try and sneak them in this episode. They weren't definitely important that they would be on time, so... Uh, Dave Lewis, uh, I've talked about Dave Lewis a fair bit from Tight But Loose. He went to that, we talked a couple of episodes ago about the 40th anniversary exhibition uh, of for Led Zeppelin 4. It was eight pictures, one depicting each song, plus, or eight prints, and there's prints for sale. Um, uh, plus there's one that has all the stuff, kind of has the, the colors, the sepia type colors from the uh, album cover and the, each of the songs and Got some stuff on it. Actually, I, I ordered that one. I, I went online and ordered that one. Um, and I'll, I'll put the link. The links will be on rambleonradio.com. Go there, and I will, within a day or two, I'll have all the links from this podcast up. The links for the Flood Gallery. The Flood Gallery is where it is, or you can Google Flood Gallery Greenwich. Um, or head over to Dave Lewis's Type It Loose website. We've talked about that enough times. TBLweb.com. Uh, and they're all for sale. There And there's... You know, there's some there's some good posters. There's um, a Misty Mountain Hot poster. It's basically a painting of Jimmy Page's dragon, uh, which is cool. Um, uh, the rock and roll poster. I wasn't so nuts on. It was a really quite pretty girl naked on a bed with a shark on her, naked except for her red shoes, with a shark on top of her in an obviously sexual position. Uh, yeah, I kind of went, well, really? Is that, you know? But um, others probably would like it. Uh, Dave Lewis indicated on the website that he'd like that one for the bathroom. But uh, felt maybe the wife wouldn't approve. I, I'm thinking that would be the same here. Um, but otherwise, I, I liked 7 of the 8. I wasn't nuts on that one. It's a good painting. Don't get me wrong on that. It's it's a remarkably good painting. But it, I just thought, 
you know, really, you know, for all the great music on that album, and that's what we want to talk about. But, yeah, they did these things, and I guess they have to live with them, right? Uh, so, yeah, but you can buy prints of the, each of the pictures at Flood's Gallery website. They're not, um, they're not outrageously expensive, but they're not dirt cheap. I think it was $40 shipping in to get the one I got. I think that's what I paid. Um, so, no, I'm not unhappy with it. I just have no idea where I'm going to put it, actually. Um... But we'll see. I, I'm thinking maybe there's a space right in front of me in the wall here. Um, it sure ain't going to the bathroom. I can tell you the wife would say to that. All right, so let's getting getting to the news. Led Zeppelin four re-enters the Billboard chart for the first time since 1986. Uh, what with the, all the excitement about the 40th anniversary, everybody talking about. It, I guess people went out and bought it. Uh, like I mentioned, that that uh, that is 2,600 units. There's those air quotes units. Uh, of Led Zeppelin 4 were sold uh, not last week, the week before actually banged it back into Billboard up around 120 or something like that on Billboard chart so take that Mariah Carey uh, Mr. Robert Plant uh, these are the two stories that, that I missed last time out uh, Plant, and this one's I think is a little bit important actually Plant joins Daltrey, uh, Roger Daltrey and Peter Townsend for the UCLA Daltrey Townsend Teen and Young Adult Cancer Program at Ronald Reagan UCLA Medical Center. And the program is an outgrowth of uh, Britain's Teen Cancer Trust. And it's basically, a, obviously, a teen cancer uh, fundraising um, type program. And uh, I don't actually know what plant will be doing with that. Um, probably some concerts and whatnot. In fact, there was a concert, and this was the second story I missed. There was a... Um, uh, there's a video on YouTube, and I will post a link to the video of uh, Plant doing a private party with the band of Joy at the Pacific Palisades, some guy's backyard party. And there's a few hundred people there by the looks of it, but uh, how would that? How nice would that be? And I guess they auctioned off the right to do this, and the proceeds go towards the charity. So that was uh, what else they'll do. I don't know. Maybe he's just a spokesperson for it, or a co-spokesperson. The odd, uh, the odd benefit concert, um, but he's doing that. And the John Paul Jones file. A fan killed himself this week. And I'm going to uh, bring up the website. Um, fan kills himself this week. Stabs himself. Got that? Stabs himself. Who does it? What's this guy's name? Romeo? Um, for three, He was unable to sleep for three months as a result of hearing loss from a concert by them, Crooked Vultures. He had uh, tinnitus, which is ringing in the ear. And can get very annoying, I guess. And... Um, uh, severe tinnitus following a London concert by the group. Um, tried to had tried to overdose, failed, stabbed himself. Um, so I and this article, uh, this ultimate classic rock, uh, mentions if we can get on our soapbox for a minute, please consider wearing earplugs to rock concerts. Uh, I've never done it. Uh, I know other people do. Uh, Lemon Crooked Vultures were loud, you know, I've seen them uh, in a bar, basically, and they they were loud, but uh, my hearing was fine after it, thank God, and didn't end up stabbing myself. Um, um, Jones also played two concerts in Amsterdam. I, I have November 20th uh, at the Paradiso Festival in Amsterdam. Uh, I don't know, the other one was a day or two later, I think. Um, I, I just saw a passing reference to it. But yeah, so he's back out with C6D for the first time in about two months. Just a couple of gigs. 
that's what he was up to. Uh, Mr. Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page, an MP in London, has um, put, put Jimmy Page forth for a knighthood. Um, MP Louis Mensch revealed she is lobbying for a knighthood for rock guitarist Jimmy Page, one of her husband's former clients. Uh, her, her, her husband is Peter Mensch, who was, a, um, I guess, a manager, uh, a um, music manager. And she's put him forward for um, uh, for a knighthood, so he would be Sir Jimmy Page. So how times have changed. Remember the days when, well, you wouldn't remember the days, but, uh, you know, a knight was a chivalrous guy who had this coat of honor. Uh, certainly something far, far removed from... Um, from Aleister Crowley's "Do What That Will Be Be All of the Law," um, <laughs> so it's kind of I don't know. I think there's irony. I think there's irony in in a knighthood for a guy like Jimmy Page. To be honest, um, you know, it used to be they they were protected women's honors, and you know, these guys were never about protecting anybody's honor, right? That was that was part of the whole deal. That's why the shark picture and and the in the in the at the gallery, um, so I you know I I think there's irony in there, but it's really it's 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 this old it means nothing. Um, it's a minor honor. Well, it's a major honor, but it's all it is, right? It, it means nothing. So uh, why not? I guess he's as good as anybody. Um, now Jason Bottom's Led Zeppelin Experience tour is over. Uh, sounds like it went well the last bunch of gigs, and uh, it's over for another season, and we'll see what happens down the road. Did, did they recorded some shows. We know I know that for a fact because the one I was at, and I mentioned this last time, had um, that's my drink. You just heard of waving my hands around. Um, it had uh, the little warning that that. Uh, you could be videoed. So I know they they videoed, they taped, I don't know what they're doing with it. We also know, talking to James Dillon, that um, they, they've they been writing some songs on tour. While they're on tour, they've been writing, whether they've got a whole album's worth. Um, whether you need to do a whole album's worth anymore, just release four or five songs, right? Who cares? Uh, you know, you don't need to release CDs or the way the Dodo Bird, they're, they're talking about really limiting CD releases in the next year anyway. They, they figure that's pretty much a done thing. So there's no real good reason um, to, to, to have a whole album where we got to have 40 or 50 minutes. Have five minutes, who cares? Um, anyway, so uh, Black Country Communions Live Over Europe is now available on uh, Blu-ray as well as DVD. I, I uh, reviewed the DVD a few weeks ago and it's been... Probably about a month the DVD's been out. Blu-ray is now out as well. No word on. They they did talk originally that they were going to do an audio release of it too, but I have not seen anything about that lately. And no word on it. I certainly haven't seen it in the store. Also, if you're a guitar player in Britain only, or in Europe, I guess, um, a new How to Play DVD. Five songs, uh, Black Country Communion, How to Play, or uh, what's it, Learn to Play. Uh, Black Country Communion... Five tracks, note for note with guitar lessons by Danny Gill. Teaches you superb DVD, teaches you the best riffs and solos from rock supergroup tracks, include Backcountry, The Outsider, Song of Yesterday, Medusa, One Last Soul. Uh, Song of Yesterday's got a really cool opening. I mean, if you watch the DVD, it, it's one of those things that comes obvious. That opening lick on uh, Song of Yesterday is really kind of cool. Um, 
So that's, and there's not been a lot of kind of tabs and stuff out there for these guys. I, I have looked once or twice before. So it would be, um, if you're in, in Europe and you play guitar and you like them, that's maybe something to get, something to put on the Christmas list maybe, eh? Um, so, uh, yeah, and I mentioned earlier, uh, LedZeppelin.com opened an online store. And I got about 16 or 20 t-shirts, different types of t-shirts, different sizes, youth and women's, and mostly the same t-shirts over and over again, but Got some interesting ones. My problem is I, I tend to wear black t-shirts, jeans and black t-shirts, and I've been, years I've been trying to get away from black t-shirts, and I have an awful time doing it, mostly because t-shirts I like are in black, and this is almost all black t-shirts or dark colored, you know, maybe a gray. Um, so I, you know, I kind of looked through it, going, eh, was, you know, I saw Jeff Beck about a month and a half ago, and I ended up with a, a, a blue, a nice blue, almost psychedelic-like T-shirt, and it was really nice. And uh, I was glad to get that. I was glad to just try to get away from those heavy darks, you know. Uh, I'm not a teenager anymore. It doesn't, it's not my best look, I don't think, but anyway. Uh, there's a new bio coming out on Ahmed Erdogan called The Life and Times of Honor. Oh, of Ahmed, the Life and Times of Ahmed Erdogan uh, by author Robert Greenfield. Now, Greenfield also did a book on the Rolling Stones called... Um, now, I found two books. I'm guessing it's the same book. One's called Exile on Main Street, A Season in Hell with the Rolling Stones, and the other one's called STP, A Journey Through America with the Rolling Stones. Uh, and it sounds like in both cases he spent some time on the road with the Stones. I'm guessing it's the same book, two different prints, printings, two different titles. Um, possibly one's even British or European, one's one's American. I, I don't know for sure, though. Uh, he also did a bio, um, an autobiography with Bill Graham. Uh, Bill Graham's presents My Life Inside Rock and Out. And, uh, and presumably Graham kind of, you know, uh, spoke it and he wrote, he put it into into writing. Um, that's usually how those ghost writing almost, only with the, with the heading. Um, but so yeah, so that'll be the Life and Times of Honor. I don't know when it's coming out, but it should be, uh, it should be soon. It may even be out already. And just before I started this, I sat and did a bunch of checking some books and I didn't check that one. I didn't think to check one out. So we'll, we'll see what that is. Um, Frank Redden, uh, he has a great book called Sonic and I'm going to do a little review of it later. Sonic Boom, The Impact of Led Zeppelin. Volume 1 is called Break and Enter. And uh, the story of Frank, uh, and if you go to enzeplopedia.com or a whole uh, learn about lead, I think it is, dot com, uh, that's Frank Redden's website. And um, he, he, he amassed a major amount of information on, and mostly on the early days. And um, you can hear, I'm flipping through the book as we speak. I have a big hardcover edition. Uh, Frank lives probably about an hour away from me, so I, I've actually met him. He did uh, he did a book signing in the town I live in, so I went out and met him at the time. And, and uh, I, uh, his, his sister actually does his editing. And if you go to the webpage, that's his sister on it, or if you're friends with uh, Encyclopedia on Facebook. But uh, Encyclopedia is the right title, and so it's yeah, it's being released as an ebook. It's available on Amazon. It's available on i. Uh, iBooks. It's not available on Kobo as of yet. I don't know about any of the other ebook sites. Um, I'll get to that. I'll, we'll do a review of it. But uh, it's you know nine ninety nine compared to forty to sixty dollars. I think I paid forty for it. Uh, it's really 
It's a, it's a heavy-duty book. It's worth $40. Uh, Enzeplopedia is the right name because it's like a big encyclopedia on the Led Zeppelin almost. And it's, but it just covers the first first year, really, 1969. Uh, you know, spits in 1968, tips in the 70, if I recall. But um, um, it's a good book. We'll, and uh, we'll get to that. After the interview, we're going to get to that. Uh, and the Yardbirds release uh, for Record Store Day, uh, two, two items. There was, um, I picked up, and this was a Black Friday Record Store Day. Uh, now, if you go to the, doesn't, just because it's the Black Friday thing, doesn't mean they released them on Black Friday. Uh, what, but whatever doesn't sell, and I, I was in my local record store, and they had stuff from last record store day in the spring still there. Matter of fact, they had it, still had a one, them Crooked Vultures picture disc from record store day a year and a half ago. So if you've missed it, don't worry about it. Go to your local record store, you know, go to recordstoreday.com um, and find a, a record store near you. You can get these. These are seven inch vinyl, 45 singles. Uh, I picked up. Um, haha said the clown. Um, the uh, that wasn't available in my town uh, as of yet. It was ten little Indians. Um, and, but he said probably be in this week. I'll be going back. Uh, record store day for everybody else. Record store week. Record store few weeks for me, I guess. Uh, the other thing they didn't have was the Stones released a single as well from the Some Girl Sessions called No Spare Parts. Uh, I think it's from the Some Girl Sessions anyway. And uh, that's be. Um, that's, uh, that's um, I'll be heading back out and getting those myself. Uh, and if you go on eBay, all these things are actually available on eBay. So that's Ha Ha Said the Clown by the Yardbirds and Ten Little Indians. Both of them, the Yardbirds featuring Jimmy Page, by the way. And uh, Good Night Sweet Josephine. In the spring, they did Good Night Sweet Josephine. And think about it again. It's a Jimmy Page era. Uh, and fairly good stuff. Um, you know, some people don't like this. The Mickey Mouse songs, like Ha Ha Said the Clown. Um, but I, I don't mind it. I don't mind it at all. Um, okay, so Ralph Hewlett is the co-author of Whole Lot of Lead, Our Flight with Led Zeppelin. Uh, he took some time with me, as, as I mentioned this week. Um, the book, Whole Lot of Lead, is it's actually not on general release as a hardcover anymore. Um, they're pushing to get that done, but it is available as an ebook, and it is available at Amazon.com, and it is available on Kobo. Uh, I don't think I saw it on, I checked iBooks, I don't think I saw it on iBook. Uh, but wherever you buy your eBooks, you know, sniff around a bit, you'll probably find it, it's available. It has some pictures that weren't on the hardback edition, or in the, it's actually a soft cover, but hardback size, one of those trade paperbacks, I think they call them. Um, it's a good book, it's a very good book, it tells the story. Led up on the story kind of from personal story side of things. And, and um, they don't just use Ralph and Jerry, um, Jerry Parknicki's experiences, but they find other people. They Some photographers, they get a lot of photographers, and they get their pictures, and they get them to tell about the gig where they took the pictures. Uh, we talk about that fair bit in the interview, so you'll hear that. Uh, you know what? Here's the interview. Here's uh, Ralph Hewlett, co-author of Whole Lot of Lead, Our Flight with Led Zeppelin. So I'm with Ralph Hewlett, co-author of Whole Lot of Whole Lot of Lead, Our Flight with Led Zeppelin. Ralph, how are you today? I'm doing great, thank you. Good. Hope you are too. I am, yeah. Um, so I, I'm talking to you from Kitchener, Ontario, and um, in your book you have a, a picture from Kitchener um, with a heading in full flight over Canada. And uh, it's a David Richardson picture. How did uh, how did you manage to come across the Dave Richardson in that picture? 
That's a great question. Um, Jerry Prochnicki did, my co-author, did a lot of the legwork regarding the photos. He knew a lot of these photographers through various contacts he had made over the years in researching Led Zeppelin and working towards the Led Zeppelin book. He'd been researching for over 30 years when we put the book out originally in 2005. And Dave Richardson was one of the guys uh, that Jerry knew. So Jerry had seen or had been in contact with Dave about the Rockpile show, which was uh, before the Kitchener show. I think the Kitchener show was November 4th, right? That's correct. Uh, So we went through all these photographs Richardson had of the Kitchener show, which we have a pretty detailed account of. A very interesting show because it uh, was a lot larger venue, but it was only one-third full when he walked in there and saw the crowd. It was like less than 2,000 people. So we had all these great group shots, and Jerry wanted a really nice one showing all three of the band band members with uh, Bonham's drum setup. It's one of the best shots I've seen of Bonham's early drum setup with everything. And uh, then you got Plant with his uh, Ugg boots on and uh, Paige with his Les Paul and the uh, small amp setup. So it's it's very typical of that era. You know, you see the band with curtains hanging down behind them, and it was all very primitive at that time, very small stage. Great photo. Good, yeah. That's actually, um, that shows being local to me. I've researched it a lot. Uh, I've, I've had it off to the local universities and found a couple of reviews of it and stuff. So it's a, it's a show that interests me. It's my little pet project in a way. So, uh, and, and it's interesting that there's there's not a lot of information about the show itself, but there's a lot of pictures of the show and there's a lot of accounts of the show without, but we have no idea what they played other than, you know, the kind of the, the normal stuff for that time. Correct. Uh, a lot of those early shows, like when I saw them in uh, May of 69, it was very hard to make a set list. Although I, I do remember at least half a dozen of the songs that they did do. Right. Kind of worked it into my story about the show. I actually think your book is the first one I read that they did Heartbreaker at the Kitchener show. Uh, That's according to Richardson. Yeah. He said they were previewing stuff off of Led Zeppelin 2, and that was his first big surprise when he walked in the lobby of the auditorium was there's a display showing Led Zeppelin 2 album cover and nobody has seen it before. Yeah. So then they do some songs off that album later on in the show. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So uh, so yesterday was uh, down in your part of the world, Black Friday, and I was out. That's right. I was out and picked up the yard one of the Yardbird singles that they had available on Record Store Day. Um, now you cover the Yardbirds fairly comprehensively in the book, but you never saw them, right? I did not. My friend Clyde Johnson was fortunate enough to see them at Santa Monica Civic in 1967 when Beck had just left and Paige taken over as a guitar player. We have a pretty detailed account uh, in there, chapter one on that show. And that was a very interesting show because everybody was still expecting Beck to be in the band. Um, And we also have some interesting stories by people who saw them prior to uh, that time. Uh, the Catalina Island show, which has never been published before. Yeah, that, that was in 65 or 66, I think. I'd have to look up the date. But anyway, that that was, I remember hearing about that show. I was laying on the beach in Laguna that day, getting ready to go out to uh, go surfing, and I heard KFWB radio was having this big thing on, go on a boat with the Yardbirds and win a, win a trip to Catalina Island and see the Yardbirds live, you know? 
And it was Stephen Seymour. Yeah, it was August 23rd, 1966, that concert. Yeah, and he actually and, met uh, Jeff Beck on the boat, didn't he? Yeah, he snuck in. His mom was at the bar, and he was able to go in there because his mom was with him. But then he came up to Jeff Beck and asked him for his autograph, and we have a little funny story of Jeff Beck's reaction to that, and then why Seymour had to leave the bar after that. I won't go into detail because we want people to read these amazing That's stories. That's, That's what's fun about the book is all these stories that no one's ever put together in one book before. Yeah, you're right. It's uh, the, What I like about the book is, is that um, you have those personal reflections going on throughout it. Um, the one I liked was the Ron Kellerman one discussing uh, Jimmy Page being at his house. Uh, That's an amazing story. Yeah. Totally amazing story. Um, and Kellerman had written the page prior to Led Zeppelin being created and had made a friendship up with him through him sending Page 45s, like Sun 45s. So then when Page was touring, I think it was their first tour in 1969, he called him up and Kellerman found out what hotel he was staying at and he cruised down there in his station wagon, picked him up, and we have that whole story of what happened that amazing day. Can you imagine Jimmy Page coming to your house no kidding. and playing records? And I like the part where he talks about his younger sister who's going absolutely nuts, a real rock star at their house, and Kellerman's telling his sister, you are sworn to secrecy That's on right. this. You're not going to tell any of your friends. That's we don't right. want a mob coming down to my house. That's right. <laughs> so, well, story. Yeah, how, how did the book uh, come about? Well, that's another interesting story in itself. Back in the 70s, uh, I was selling photos in Hollywood at this huge outdoor rock and roll swap meet. It was uh, basically a place where all the music store owners would come and take all their merchandise that they just wanted to get rid of or had overstocks of and wanted to sell to people. And there was a lot of bootleg stuff, a lot of photographs, memorabilia all over. And it was at the Hollywood in Vine area, right next to the Capitol Records building. So anyway, I'm out there selling photos one day, and up walks Jerry Proshnicki. And he saw some old photos I had taken of Led Zeppelin, and he looked at them, and he just said, boy, this brings back a lot of memories. And so he started to talk to me about the Doors concerts he had seen, and I started saying uh, some stories to him about, oh, yeah, I saw the Doors once at my high school in 1967, and then the next year, at Cal State LA in 68 when they had Strange Days out. So we started talking about all the concerts we went to. And then he said, well, why don't we go have lunch? So I shut down the photo stand and we had lunch and he offered to have me write a book with him on Jim Morrison. Um, I turned him down at the time because I was busy in college. So then later on, we kept in touch and over the years he wanted to do a book on Led Zeppelin. And so in the early 90s, about 1993, 92, we started working on it. Uh, at the time, uh, another Led Zeppelin book came out, which kind of killed our opportunity to sell a whole lot of lead. So we put it aside for about three or four years. And then about 2003, 2002, 2003, we started reviving it. He called me back and said, let's revive the book and get going on trying to sell it. So I said, okay. And we got a new agent and we finally sold the book. It was, the book was his whole vision, uh, Telling the story from our point of view, a fan's point of view. Wow. wow. So that's how it got started, the whole project. It sure. took a long time. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like it. Um, you, you mentioned you were selling selling pictures. 
down uh, outside the Capitol building. But the book's only got one of your pictures in it. Uh, from 77, right? That's from the uh, June 19th show at San Diego Arena, not Q77. The ebook, which is different as far as the photos, the new ebook that came out in November, has five of my Zeppelin shots from that same shot. Uh, the first book had one photo uh, taken at the beginning of the show when they were doing Song Remains the Same. And that's the part where of the show where I write about how I couldn't find a seat and there was a commotion over on the right side. All the security guards left for some reason. And I don't know exactly what it was. And I jumped over the seats and ran up toward the stage up to about the 7th or 8th row. And that's when I took those pictures of Paige. And then I found a 10th row seat and stayed there the whole night. So I lucked out. <laughs> Can't do that these days, you know. It's harder and harder. Even that show, the security was really tight. And it was tough even back then to try to get a close seat. Yeah. It was a sold-out show. They sold out all their shows by then. Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. Um, I, I, I mentioned, uh, I like the stories. I also like how this, this, the, the book is in the context of the times. It's, you know, you play Sled Zeppelin and their music in the seventies and how, how the two respond to each other. Um, I, I think to me, that's what kind of makes this book different than other ones. What, what do you think? Why, why does, what sets this book apart? Um, you're kind of getting at the heart of the writing here, what Jerry wanted me to do. And he told me, take all of the experiences you had in the 70s and find places to put them in the book in correspondence to what was going on with Led Zeppelin. So, for example, in 1975, we're talking about the physical graffiti tour. I'm talking about how I just moved to San Diego from Dana Point. I was starting to photograph concerts, and I wrote about all the shows I saw in San Diego at the same time, like uh, Eric Clapton and Carl Santana together, um, and Leonard Skinner, Fleetwood Mac, Stevie Nicks with Fleetwood Mac, Lawyers and Messina, and then the Eagles and Linda Ronstadt, all those shows in 1975 at Balboa Stadium, huge outdoor venue, which it no longer exists, but at the time it uh, was the biggest outdoor venue. So I, I, what I do is I write about different Things that were going on with me, particularly with uh, showbiz entertainment writing, which I was doing for the school newspaper, and photographing shows. And I write about all my crazy experiences at different shows, like the Who concert in 1976. We have an account of what happened and how I was able to get a second row seat because of a crazy guy in a chicken suit. That's a crazy story. <laughs> so I try to print all these nutty stories in correspondence with the Times. And then we go into... Led Zeppelin, what they were doing in 1976, 1975, and so on. Uh, that's what sets the book apart. I try to take a personal approach to the writing and put my stories in there and also stories of other fans, not just me. Uh, we have Jerry in there now and then, but it's mostly about the fans, other people that knew Led Zeppelin or saw Led Zeppelin or photographed Led Zeppelin at some point. We try to have as many stories from people as we can. I also write about meeting various, uh, I never met Led Zeppelin, but I write about meeting various uh, blues personalities and what that was like, like Willie Dixon, Muddy Waters, John Lee Hooker, even Frank Zappa. I met him in 77, shortly after the Zeppelin show a few months later. So I try to put a lot of personal anecdotes to the writing of that nature in there as well. Yeah, cool. It's, yeah, it works very well. Um, so how do you portray Led Zeppelin in the book? Uh, I kind of went with two different aspects. One was the aspect that Jerry says in the introduction, 
what is portrayed as the Led Zeppelin that we grew up with. And we try to uh, show how Led Zeppelin were the most mysterious of bands, how they were a law unto themselves, and how we show Led Zeppelin is a band that uh, it's not just our recollections of the band or our portrayal, it's various other fans' portrayals, uh, what they thought of them, like Kellerman, what did Kellerman think of them, uh, what the Niels Lauzo would think, other photographers. Um, Baron Wallman, one of the top Rolling Stone photographers of the early days, he, we have a story by him from the Oakland show. So we have everybody's recollections. But as far as what we tried to do, or I personally tried to do, uh, I tried to portray what Led Zeppelin were like, especially at the very beginning. One of my favorite chapters is Chapter 2, because we're portraying how Led Zeppelin were at the very beginning, and how I had an old psychedelic postal service truck that I repainted kind of psychedelic on the outside and we drove down Sunset Strip and we played that 8-track of Led Zeppelin 1 to death because that was like brand new, totally different uh, kind of music. Nobody had ever heard of anything like how many more times or days confused before, you know, and even the way they did blues was somewhat different than, say, Jeff Beck or Cream. But, so we're portraying them as a unique band, something that had, something that was a new band entity that no one had ever heard before. Um, at the same time, we also portrayed the band as a band that got into excess as time went on, particularly in the Achilles' Last Stand chapter, the mythical Achilles. He found out too late his fatal flaw, and it killed him. It did him in. And Led Zeppelin had a fatal flaw, which was going too much into excess, whether it be drugs or sex or alcohol or whatever you want to call it, the rock and roll lifestyle. We portray that as well and go into that and try to warn people that even though they were a rock and roll icon, they were also mortal. So we do portray them as mortal beings that still have feelings, particularly how Plant reacted to the death of his son Carrick, which is when the 77 tour ended, when they found out in New Orleans right after the Oakland show of Plant's son. So we show them as mortals and try to warn everybody, you know, uh, you overdo it as a rock and roll star, it doesn't matter how rich and famous you are. It'll still get you if you overdo the excess. So we try to portray them in a um, multidimensional way. But the last thing is, very quickly on that topic, is that we also try to show them as innovators, music innovators, that didn't make records, but they made statements. They that's, made musical statements. Yeah, that's a very good point, isn't it? Uh, and uh, you talk about their excess and personal life. I, I think... At times there was excess in the music too, and that was one of the things that made them great. Was that propensity yeah. to excess? You know, um, we try to we try not to overdo the excess aspect. Although we do have a little thing in there on the on the shark incident in 1969. Everyone talks about the shark incident. Kind of has to be covered, and, doesn't it? Yeah, and you know that doesn't go away. But all of the other things they did, we could have we we could have. There's other books like that out there that talk about their excesses and all the groupies and all the crazy, nutty things that happen. We try to really focus on the music more than anything else. Yeah, that, you're right. So what would you like readers to get out of the book? I think, uh, first of all, just to maybe get a little uh, window into the times, get an idea of what it was like back then to experience the music for the first time, like, for example, when I read about hearing Led Zeppelin 1 for the first time at my musician friend Clyde Johnston's house, how it was 
a huge eye opener. What it was like at that time to hear them for the first time, and also just what it was like throughout the different tours. But we also have a lot of details about how they toured, the equipment they used. We we have fun. We have a lot of humor in the book. We hope people get humor out of the book. We have a funny story about them trying to find the Fillmore West on their 1969 tour, and how the station wagon they were driving almost went into the San Francisco Bay. And luckily, they, they backed up too far, but in the fog, trying to find the venue, but they got stuck on a capstan where they tie boats up, and so the station wagon got it didn't fall into the harbor. We try to have funny anecdotes like that, too. Yeah. Um, so we, we try to put humor in there. We hope you get humor out of it. We hope you also realize, that readers realize that... Um, Rock and roll can be a dangerous game if you make it, if you take it too seriously. But if you just enjoy it for what it is, something for fun more than anything, and enjoyment, and don't take it so serious that you take the fun too extremely and end up like Keith Moon or John Bonham or all the other rock stars we read about, Jimi Hendrix, yeah. it's a good thing. It, rock and roll still can be a really fun, good thing. Yeah, you uh, mentioned Jimi Hendrix, and... Um... Just the other day, Rolling Stone declared him the greatest guitar player. And, mm -hmm. uh, you guys had a great quote about um, um, since I've been loving you, and I'm trying to find it here. Um, uh, if you've been debating about who is the if you've been debating about who is the greatest rock guitar player in history, just listen to Page's tortured solo and move on to another subject. Oh. Yes, that's from Jerry. I put that in there. If only the guys at Rolling Stone had read that, they'd know they'd know better. That's debatable, but you know what? If I think Hendrix was more of an innovator in a different kind of a sense than Page was, because Hendrix, he took the guitar and he reinvented the whole. Uh, he basically invented psychedelic music. Yeah. And um, he also would be able to create such unbelievable sounds. But if you start listening to a lot of his later stuff, like the Woodstock era stuff, uh, the stuff like the Cry of Love era, it, it started sounding a little. A little too repetitious, but you, you listen to Jimmy Page and how he was trying to always take the, the, the guitar, whether it was a John Renburn style, and he, he had a lot of high regard for John Renburn. He said, John Renburn, we have a quote from Jimmy Page where he says, Renburn, uh, he just passed away, John Renburn, I That's think, right. recently. Yeah, you're right. Wrapped up the acoustic guitar like Hendrix wrapped up the electric. That's right. So he wanted to, Page wanted to take different styles, whether it was Far East Indian with Cashmere and Black Mountainside, and even before that with White Summer and the Yardbirds, or take heavy blues and take it to a higher level, or even go into all kinds of new types of styles of music with, say, like Houses of the Holy, how that had quite a mixture of different kinds of styles on it. You even have James Brown type stuff right. on there. That's right. You know, Jim, so, he, he, tried to, he tried to diversify a lot more guitar-wise, than Hendrix did, I think. Although Hendrix was probably, he was in a class by himself. Yeah. Hendrix was playing in a class by himself. Yeah, kind of like Frank Zappa, same idea. Right. You know, you know, Jeff Beck claims that uh, Jimi Hendrix was just rip, ripping off his uh, Yardbird stuff. I think there's some truth to that, but I think Hendrix, it's too simplistic to say that. No, I think I, there was a lot more that Hendrix was doing, just besides taking the guitar and putting it up against the amp and getting feedback and you know, he would play behind his head. He played with his teeth. Yeah. That, that went way back to T-Bone Walker era. That wasn't anything new. Hendricks just took it to a higher level. Oh, the old blues guys used to do that sort of stuff, too, yeah. Okay. Uh, most definitely. So, well, um, yeah, I think Hendricks was a real innovator, and Page was 
in a different kind of a way, in yeah. a new kind of a way. Yeah, I would agree. Um, all right, thanks. So the book is available. It's an ebook now. Where yes. can where can people get it? Um, as far as the ebook, the best place to go for a fairly good price would be Amazon.com. There's a link to Amazon.com through our website, www.holelatalethebook.com. There's a link to Amazon there, and you can also go there and see photographs from the new ebook in the photo section. There's my shot of Paige when he was doing Song Remains the Same. We're playing as Gibson double neck. And there's other photographs. We've got the first heavy metal poster by Ron Raffaelli of Led Zeppelin in 1969 up there. And a lot of other great stuff. So that would be the best place. Um, it's hard to find copies of the printed book. You can find used copies on Amazon and Alabreece.com. They have them. They're overpriced, though. We're trying to get Kensington to print up more of the uh, printed edition. But right now, it's only available new as an ebook now. Okay. All right. Thanks very much, Jerry. I appreciate you talking to me. I am glad to uh, be a part of this. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, this is uh, Ralph Hewlett, the co-author of Fall Out of Lead with Jerry Prochnicki. Uh Check out RuckRetrospects.com, too, to see more photo. And thank you for the opportunity to be on today. It's been great. Thanks, Jerry. Bye. Bye-bye. So did you catch it? I called him Jerry. at the Twice at the end, I called him Jerry. Um... And, and and I've been saying Jerry Prochnicki, um, I think all this podcast and last podcast too, uh, and it's Proshnicki, as you, you heard him say. It's Jerry Proshnicki and Ralph Hewlett. That was Ralph Hewlett. And um, yeah, apparently my synapses were really getting screwed up in there. Um, another thing I should point out, he talked about um, John Renburn dying recently and uh, his influence on Paige. And uh, John Renburn is quite alive. Uh, rumors of his demise are greatly exaggerated. Uh, Bert Jansch, 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 J-A-N-S-C-H, who played the John Renburn in a band called Pentangle. Uh, Bert Jansch died uh, in October. Uh, we covered that here, actually. And he, um, uh, he wrote uh, Black Mountain Side was basically... Um, um, uh, basically his piece of work that uh, Paige co-opted or uh, uh, well, let's, let's put it that way it's, it's you know it, it, was, it was really a really close approximation of what, what he did on his own piece and it wasn't called Black Mountainside though it was uh, but I forget the name of it exactly but uh, yeah, and I think it, it is Bert Jansch as well that he, he said that quote about uh, the Jimi Hendrix of the acoustic guitar. So it's, it's not John Renborn, Bert Jansch. Um, um, so yeah, and I, I call him Jerry a couple of times. I want to say I was trying to get a plug in for his co-writer, Jerry Proshnicki. Uh, but the truth is I'm not that clever. It, it was just, uh, you know. Um, now, Whole Lot of Lead is published by Kensington Publishing on uh, Citadel Press. Um, as he mentioned, um, Ralph himself has a series of podcasts, which you can find on Ramble On Radio Facebook page. If you go to Facebook and look up Ramble On Radio, as well as on um, on his own website, um, uh, which is wholelotofleadthebook.com. Uh, they have a blog there. You go to the blog, you can find his, his podcast, video podcasts. Um, you can also buy the book there. It's a direct link to Amazon.com. Um, there's also a direct link to buy the book at Amazon.com at RambleOnRadio.com. If you go that way, I get pennies. 
uh, for the sale. So, you know, I, I, I encourage you strongly to go that way and everybody wins a little. Um, Kobo has it available. Uh, it's $9.09 .09 Canadian at Kobo. I didn't check the Amazon price. Uh, Kobo price, $9.09 .09 Canadian. Uh, so I'm not sure what it was. It would be very close to Amazon. It would be very close at the others. Uh, at the website, you get Jerry's blog. You also get some pictures. You've got some pictures from the ebook that aren't in the regular book, uh, and some stories. And of course, you can buy the book. Uh, he also has a photography website, rockretrospect.com. Uh, has great pictures of a number of bands, including Led Zeppelin and Robert Plant. He's just got pretenders and the police. And he's been through many, many concerts through the years, and he takes his camera in and he gets good pictures and he sells them online. Uh, so check out rockretrospect.com and thank you to Ralph Hewlett for that interview. He, he's a great interview, like I said. Uh, as you heard, you, you ask, you throw a question up there and and he goes with it. Uh, okay, so I already talked about Frank Redden's book, uh, now available in e-edition. It's really a unique book. There's there's none of the gossip. We talked on with Ralph about, oh, the um, you kind of have to cover the shark stuff. And, um Frank Redden doesn't cover the shark stuff. He covers the music, period, in the story. It's all he really cares about, the concerts, the music. Uh, he interviews. It's a book of, of heavy-duty interviews with a lot, a lot of people. Uh, it runs from about 1968 to 1971, late 68 to early 71. Really focuses on the first album almost exclusively. The second album comes in, concerts and whatnot, but it's, it's really about the first album more than anything. And he interviews some great people. And he interviews some people who are just... Just guys who happened to go to the show, and he interviews some guys who were very important to putting it all together, radio personalities at the time, that sort of thing. Uh, it's a really super informative book, and it's available now, Amazon.com, for $9.99. Uh, I think I paid $4 for it. Um, Amazon currently sells uh, new ones for, for that, but the list price on the book is $59.99, so it's... You know, nine ninety nine is is what it's going for on Amazon as an ebook. So if you have, have an ebook reader, Sonic Boom: The Impact of Led Zeppelin, uh, and I will do a direct link on um, on on our website. Dot uh, both both to the encyclopedia site as well as to the book on Amazon. So we'll do a direct link to that. You can buy it through there, uh, and that's rambleonradio.com. Easy enough to remember. Um, so really good deal. Um, it doesn't seem to be available on Kobo yet. Uh, I'll keep checking and let you know if it turns up there. It is on iBooks again for ninety nine dollars Uh, and there's usually for an ebook, there's a number of sources, all sorts of websites out there. Sniff around. If you don't want to go through Amazon, you don't want to go through iBooks, you probably find it somewhere. They exist. Um, I found some oddball website and picked up, um, Led's up 75 uh, off this. I, it was not available in Canada yet, and uh, I found a website in the States that had, and then I got my hands on the file for 9.99 or something. I was reading it, uh, and the crazy people who book publishing in Canada, they lost out on that sale. It's as simple as that. I was went to the store to buy it. Oh, it's not available for another two weeks. Well, guess what? So... Uh, sniff around, search around for it, you'll find it. You'll definitely find it. Okay, uh, I've been doing this lighter shiller story at the end. Um, thinking of calling this last segment, bring it on home, and uh, 
Maybe I got the guitar beside me. We'll, we'll do a little. There we go. So there's Bring It On Home. Here we go. Uh, currently available, the Jimmy Page Coffin. Um, well, go to your ultimate demise, demise and your ultimate, uh, with your ultimate guitar, I guess. Um, this is from The Sun in, the, uh, in Britain. And here's the headline. Wacky Coffins Put the Fun Into Funeral. Go to your grave in a guitar coffin um, with a picture of a casket called, and with a, a picture, they have a picture of this casket, and it's called the Dead Zepp. Uh, this is what the Sun reports. Dead Zepp. The casket is inspired by rock god Jimmy Page. It's just one of a novelty coffins on sale. The flight case casket, air quotes there, flight case casket is emblazoned with Les Paul axe like the one played by Led Zeppelin rock god Jimmy Page. Uh, so they have this coffin, and on the top of it is just really a good picture of a, um, a Sunburst Les Paul a la Jimmy Page. Uh, or as Paul McCartney said, it looks a lot like the one used by Jimmy Page. Ooh, yeah. um, so there you go. There's your casket for you. They also have they had uh, a number of caskets, including one that looked like a phone box, one that was a uh, champagne uh, and a, one that was like a tin of peas, and believe it or not, said rest in peas on it. Uh, I don't know. One thing going down with a, with a guitar or a bottle of champagne. It's another thing with a really bad pun written across the front of you, don't you think? Um, but that's, there you go. So that's it. That's uh, number eight, put to bed. Uh, and, and I'm ready to be put to bed myself, I guess. And... Um, Thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking it out. It's the longest one so far, but we had a great 20-minute interview with Ralph Hewlett. Uh, all the links will be on rambleonradio.com before the next... Give me two days to do that. Um, plus, we'll get Ralph Hewlett's video casts up there, uh, or links to them. Um, and there's lots of books to buy. It's, you know, there's one more between now and Christmas. I think the next one I'm going to try and loosen, loosen up the format a little and do a Christmassy thing. But we got to see, there's so much news hits the news about, the, about this band on a week-in, week-out basis. It's, it surprises me so much that uh, every two weeks I can sit here and talk for 45 minutes uh, just covering the news that's, that's popped up in the last two. It's astounding. I assume as December rolls in, things will slow down. I assume that's going to happen. It may not. Uh, but this will be, uh, my recording schedule works. I kind of do Sunday nights, and then in two weeks from that, the Friday night, and then the Sunday night. Rotate on that works based on my work shifts, and so the next Sunday one would actually be Christmas Day. I'm not doing that, so I expect to be a four week lag. Yeah, but but yeah, so the next one will be out in two weeks. That's two weeks before Christmas. We'll we'll do a Christmas theme one somewhere. I'll sneak something in there Christmassy. Um, we'll see what comes up with that. So thanks for listening. That was number eight, episode number eight, Ramble on Radio. And, uh, I'm Brian Gardner. Thanks. Thanks again. Have a good night.